start this morning with a word of prayer, so please join me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence this morning and that we have access to you through the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins, that cleanses us of a guilty conscience, and that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus went before us and he became our substitute and our sacrifice of atonement, and he paid for our sins. And we thank you, God, that we stand forgiven and not guilty in your sight through faith in Jesus. And we pray today, God, that our faith would be strengthened, and that as we start this new series today, God, that you would prepare our hearts for what is to come, that you would speak to us, God, that you, and that you would make us more like Christ. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So today we are starting a new series, and I'm really excited about this series. It's going to be kind of short, only four weeks, and it's called Gospel House. And I, I just want to give you a brief summary of where we're going over the next few weeks. The gospel we've been talking a lot about lately, the gospel is the good news, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. It's an announcement about something that's happened in history. And the gospel, the, the news about what Christ has done will change your life. It'll change everything about you. But it will also change your family. It'll change your household. And over the next four weeks, we want to show you how. We want to show you how the gospel can change your entire household. So I, I, I want to talk about this idea of a household. Because sometimes we think of household or family, we just think about a parents and kids. And that's not... Yes, yes, parents and kids make up, a, make up many households, but a household can be a lot of different things. And so here's what, here's what, just as for a sake of introduction, what a gospel house is, in my mind. A, a gos gospel house is a household that is covered by the righteousness of Jesus. It's a household that's learning what it means to follow Jesus. It's a household that is struggling with spiritual warfare every day. It's a household that's not necessarily traditional. In other words, it, it could be a, um, there could be all kinds of different people living in the house. It could be a mom and dad and their kids. But it could also be foster kids. It could also be adopted children. It could also be grandparents or nephews or nieces living in the house. It could be a struggling teenager that needed a safe place to stay away from their home for a season. It could be a single adult that moves in with an older couple, a single adult who's kind of hit rock bottom and they need a place to recover and be restored and refreshed. And so they find a, a, a Christian household to stay for a time to be taken care of. It can be a home where someone lived to be encouraged and recovered during a hard season of life. It could be a household with kids or one without kids. It could be a household made up of single guys who are living together as roommates. And maybe one of those guys is a Christian and the others aren't. That could be your household. It could be, a, it could be all different kinds of things. And so, so we're not just talking about a family of, you know, with two parents and a, and a couple kids. <laughs> we're talking about households of faith. And whatever your household looks like, a gospel house is a household that is learning how to put Jesus first and put your family a distant second. That's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, the title of today's message is Leave the House. Leave the House. 
And I, I want to tell you before we start that today's message really grew for me out of a book that I've been reading lately. And I, I just want to tell you about this book because I, I feel like I should give credit where credit is due. That I'm reading a book called The, um, the Storm-Tossed Family. And the subtitle is How the Cross Shapes the Home. And it's written by a guy named Russell Moore. And one of his chapters in this book just really spoke to me, and I wanted to share it with you today. So uh, some of this sermon came from, from that and just really inspired um, this message today from God's Word. And I just wanted to share that with you. It's really been really helpful for me as I've been um, developing my own gospel house <laughs> as, as we learn how to follow Jesus. So um, that's what today's about is leave the house. Now, if you grew up in a Christian home, you have to leave the house someday to follow Jesus. Your kids have to leave your house someday to follow Jesus. You have to make your faith your own, as we sometimes say. That's what we're talking about. So we baptize a lot of kids around here at Crosspoint. If they can make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, we, and they want to be baptized, we baptize them. And I believe that their faith is genuine. Even if they're five or six years old or whatever, their, their faith is genuine. They belong to Jesus. But someday they will realize that their next step with Jesus is one they've never taken before, and they have to take it away from their parents. Their parents can't hold their hand anymore, and they won't know what's gonna, what the outcome's going to be, and it's going to feel different. But they need to take that step by themselves. And if they're willing to take that step, it will liberate them as they learn how to follow Jesus apart from their parents. And someday, my children, all of them, will have to step away from my faith and my version of discipleship to discover Jesus for themselves and follow him in a way that is unique to them. All of my kids will hopefully take that step someday. And that needs to happen. Your parents' faith will not get you to the finish line. You have to leave the house. You have to discover Jesus for yourself and say yes to him. And that has to be your decision, right, apart from your parents. That's what it means for, a, for um, a young person who grew up in a Christian home to leave the house. And that decision is often born out of doubt. It's often born out of doubt. Uh, Dr. Jason, Jason Broge said, Doubt is a key process a person goes through to confirm and take ownership of their identity. And he's right. Doubt is very vital to the process of finding your own faith in Christ. You have to, you, you should never ignore your doubts. You should talk about them. And you should wrestle with them until you come to a firm understanding of what's real and what's not. Doubt is necessary. It's, it's not necessarily a sign of weakness. It's necessary to arrive at a strong faith. And this typically happens between the ages of 18 and 24 when many young people start asking questions about themselves in relationship to their parents. And they'll ask questions like, do I really want to go to college? Am I just a Republican because my parents are? <laughs> what if I don't want to get married? Right? And, and most young people will ask questions like that. And, and parents, please hear this. Doubt is not the enemy. Doubts can be very healthy and instrumental to your kids discovering Christ, the real Christ, and who he is. And I want to ask you, are you creating the kind of relationship with your children where they are willing 
and feel safe to talk to you about their doubts, even if it has to do with doubts about God and if Jesus is real and if we can trust the Bible and all of those types of things. They, they have to be able to talk. They're going to talk to someone about those doubts. Why, why, not, why not be you? Or, or an older disciple who they trust. It's, it's really, really important. I think it's important for us as parents to help to start talking about the, our kids' doubts now. Even if your kids are young, talk to them about their doubts that they have about God and about Jesus. Now that's all true if, if you've grown up in a house, a home, a household of faith. But what if you didn't grow up in a household of faith? What if you grew up in a household where there were no believers in Christ? Guess what? You have to leave the house to follow Jesus. You have to leave the house someday to follow Jesus. And this can be really costly. If you've grown up in an unbelieving home and your mom and dad might not understand it. Your brothers and sisters might not understand it. They might make fun of you. They might insult you. They might treat you differently after you say yes to Jesus and you identify with Jesus. They might, they might decide they want nothing more to do with you. And for those of you who are here today and you decided to follow Jesus and, and you grew up in an unbelieving home, I just want to say that you inspire me. You really do. You, you inspire me because it was more costly for you to make that decision than it was for me. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents encouraged me to follow Jesus. But if your parents didn't do that, it, it, I'm, I am sure that it has cost you something in relationship to your family. Some of you have said yes to Jesus as adults, and the rest of your family wants nothing to do with Jesus, and you are hurting for them, and it's costly, isn't it? Some of you chose to follow Jesus while married to an unbelieving spouse, and that is costly. And I have so much admiration for your sacrifice, for your witness, and for your resilience, and for your willingness to put Jesus first, even before your spouse, even before your family. It's inspiring to me. And you know what it's like to, to, to leave the house to follow Jesus. And then there's, there's, there's another category of, of person that I want to address today, and that is, so, some of you haven't left the house yet. Some of you aren't, have not really given up everything to follow Jesus, but you're here. And you're asking questions, and you're seeking, and you're listening for God. And you know you were made for something more, but you haven't yet gone all in for Jesus. And I believe God wants to speak to you. And the best thing that you could do today and over the course of the next few weeks is to, if you hear God speaking to you in his word, is to do whatever he says. Just to trust him and take him at his word and say yes. And if you do that, you will not regret it. You will experience God. He will, he will show up. So today, today's sermon, of all these sermons, I'm so excited about this series. Have I said that? <laughs> Today's sermon is a little unique. It's, it's kind of hard. It's just going to be the hardest one, I think, for me and maybe for you. We're going to hear some really hard words from Jesus, some of the hardest things he ever said. And, and many, some of the things that Jesus said we're going to hear today caused many people to turn away from him. But we've got to hear it. It's so important that we hear these words from Jesus. And we're going to start with this, this passage from Matthew chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. 
If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn there. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It's a little easier to understand, the New Living Translation. And so we're going to read from that this morning. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. Pretty famous passage. Jesus said, uh, beginning in verse 31 actually, So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, heads of households, moms and dads, we worry about so many things, don't we? we are so, our lives are so littered with the daily cares and concerns of this world. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to do? How are we going to get past this obstacle? And... Jesus knows that families are consumed, especially heads of households, are consumed with daily concerns and worries and anxieties. We are prone to stress. We are slaves to our calendars. Some of us are way too busy. And even with all the busyness, some of you are, are you're, um, a husband and wife with young kids. You're both working. You, maybe you own a business. And you've got so many things on your mind every single day. And you just want to get through the day. You know what I mean? You just want to get a good night's sleep and have a better day tomorrow sometimes. Am I right? And obstacles are always there. Your kids are going to get sick. Your cars are going to break down. You didn't have money set aside for that. Your plans won't work out. Your marriage will get stuck. Your children will disappoint you. You will disappoint them. Your, your parents, your older parents will disappoint you. Your in-laws will disappoint you. The list goes on and on. Your dreams will seem distant, and we are prone to worry about personal and family security. We just do. It's part of life. And Jesus does not ignore any of those worries. He says, these are real. I know that you struggle with these every day. But then he says that the key to dealing with all of that stress and anxiety is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom is first. Jesus is first. Family is not. Your family's not first. And if you put your family first, you will struggle. You will be weighed down with worry all the time. And you will get stressed out and you will feel like you're losing it at times. And I want to make something very clear today. And I think this is what Jesus is saying to us. That if you put your family first, you can't follow Jesus. It's really that simple. If you put your family first, you will not be able to follow Jesus where he wants to take you. Listen to what Jesus, this, now here comes the hard stuff, okay? Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Yes, Jesus really said that. And it's hard for us to understand Jesus' definition of discipleship because we are 2,000 years removed from this cultural setting that he spoke into. 
so when Jesus says you must carry your own cross, what, we, we don't even really understand many times what, is, what he means by that. In Jesus' day, you could walk down a road outside the city and see crosses off in a distance. And oftentimes those crosses, on those crosses would be hanging a dead body, a dead corpse, rotting in the sun with, with birds of prey and other scavengers waiting around that body, feeding on that body. Sometimes those crosses, would, you would, could look off in a distance or up close if you chose to, and you would see a living person hanging on that cross, writhing in agony for what could be days, fighting for, for, for their breath until they finally suffocated to death. The cross was an instrument of extreme torture. That's what a cross is. And yet we have turned the cross into what Russell Moore called a safe metaphor for spiritual devotion. So sometimes we talk about bearing our cross in terms of dealing with stress. <laughs> okay, you may have heard people say something like, that is my cross to bear. As they talk about how hard their job is, or their business, or their marriage, or their two-year-old. Right? But Jesus calls us to die with him. To die to our old way of life. And he says that as, he, as he's talking about your family. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mom and dad, his own wife and kids, his brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he can't follow me. That's hard to hear. Nobody wants to hear that. And, and as the New Living Translation clarifies, and I appreciate this, Jesus isn't saying you should actually hate your family. He's not encouraging you to despise your family. That's not what he's saying. He is talking about reordering your priorities. That's what he's saying. He's saying that if he is not your first love, you can't follow him. And if that sounds uncomfortable or shocking or impossible, then you're starting to hear Jesus. You're starting to get it. It should sound shocking. It should sound difficult, if not impossible. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Listen, if you have tension with your in-laws, that's biblical, okay? It's, I shouldn't say it's biblical. I should say it's normal. It's not what God wants. It's just, it's normal. And Jesus knew that. He goes on. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, this is, now this is, this gets a little more clear now. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So let me ask you something. Would God ever ask you to do something that might cost your family? Do you think God would ever ask you to do something that might cost your family? I, I think he would. I think it's pretty clear. Right? I mean, isn't that Jesus' point? 
following him will cost your family. But sometimes I hear Christians talk as if God would never ask them to do something that might be stressful or difficult for their family or hard on their kids. You know what I mean? And I think we need some perspective here. We need a little perspective. And we sometimes put parameters around God, and we say, God, you can, you can have me, you can have my family, as long as. As long as. As long as you don't ask us to do this. As long as you don't ask us to go there. As long as you don't ask us to give up this. And we put conditions on God and what, we'll, we'll, and what we will listen to as far as God's concerned. We, and we believe that God just wouldn't ask us to do really hard things. I have some really good friends who are a little younger than me. They have, they have three young kids. I think their oldest is around 12 now. And about 10 years ago, they sensed God leading them. For, for them to follow Jesus meant leaving the country to go live and serve among our remote tribal people in Indonesia, a dangerous people in Indonesia. And that's where they've been the last 10 years, loving them, feeding them, working among them, serving them, talking about Jesus to them, being Christ to them. I have family members who are, are younger and who, when they were young and just having young children, leaving the country to be among people in other parts of the world who need Christ. Was that easy for their kids to pull them out of school? No. Did they have access to the kind of health care that they have here? No. Did they have, you know, did they live a comfortable life? No. But they were willing to put Christ first and their family second. And, and we look at people like that and we think, oh, that's, that's like extreme. That's something that they were called to, but that's not for me. That's not for us, right? We, that's what we do. We, we, say we, we say we're not called. I have, I have quite a few friends, actually, who in recent years have moved to the inner city of Milwaukee because they believe that to, that to experience more of Christ, that's where they needed to be, to fight for racial reconciliation, to fight for the gospel, to love people who are different than them. And we, we just look at those people and they think, well, that's just extreme. That's not for us. But is it extreme? And why do I look at those people, and why does it seem like they are experiencing more of Christ than most of the other people I know, most of the other people who are following Jesus that I know, living in the suburbs, living in a safe life, living a safe life? You know what I mean? That's how I feel. And, and those people did that. They... they they said yes to God out of a sense of obedience and devotion to Christ. And some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. But according to Jesus, and based on the response of every single disciple who followed him, being his disciple means leaving the house. It means leaving behind your home and sometimes your hometown your parents, your grandparents, leaving behind opportunities to build those close family relationships. And do you know what? Jesus said it's worth it. It's worth it every single time. If you're willing to follow me, if you're willing to die to your dreams and die to your plans and die to your future, to die to your future family inheritance, to die to that vision of what you thought your family should become and where you would plant your roots and, and to die to your 
desires and personal preferences, you will find your life. You will find your life, Jesus said. And you know, there, I know plenty of families. I'm in a family where there are siblings and parents and kids who are all part of the same family, all serving God together at the same church. And that's a really cool thing, and I love it. And I've seen other families do that too, where, you know, they, they like being together, they love serving together, and I think that's a good thing. And it's, it's pretty rare, it's, it's, it's a little bit unique, right? But there can be no question of where your loyalty lies. Your loyalty must lie with Christ before your family, always. And one thing I've learned is I've been part of, of, my, my mom's side of my mom's side of the family and all of my extended family on my mom's side. One thing I've learned is that closeness and family relationships are not born out of living in the same region. That has very little to do with how close your family relationships are. It's from following the same master. That's where the closeness comes from. It doesn't matter how close you live to one another. It really doesn't. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 60, Jesus said a series of things that were very difficult for people to hear. This is what he said. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Jesus is making it clear, if you want to follow him, you have to leave the house. You have to leave your comfort behind. He goes on. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Sounds like a reasonable request. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We live in a day and age when people are fighting for followers. I mean, social media is saturated with people who want a following. And the one, thing I, one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he, he was never desperate for followers. He told people why they shouldn't follow him. He did it regularly. People were trying, you know, they wanted to follow him. And he basically said, um, no, you're not ready. You care too much about your family. And why would he do that? The reason Jesus did that is because he knew that following him would be costly. He knew it was an all or nothing deal. He, he must come in first place. He must be your first love. This is not about adding God to your already busy life. This is about dying to your life so that you can be alive in Christ. And, and at this point, I, I, I want to I want to make something clear. Jesus would not he, he's not going to ask you to abandon your marriage or your children or to forsake your responsibilities or duties as a husband or as a wife or as a parent to follow him. That's not where we're going with this. But he will ask you to put him first. 
He will ask you to never put your family ahead of him. He will ask you to sacrifice those family relationships at times and maybe even put your family in harm's way to do what he's called you to do. He will do that. He has done it because it's worth it. You are not a mother first. You are not a father first. You are not a husband or wife first. You are a disciple of Jesus before you are anything else. Family is not first. Family's not first. And, and I want to make one more thing clear. <laughs> Jesus was not anti-family. He was not anti-family. He was anti-idolatry. And Jesus knew, in, in, in Jesus' day and in our day, by the way, idolatry, is, idolatry happens when you, put any, when you put someone or something else ahead of God. And you make that, pers- that person or that thing the God of your life. And you serve that instead of God. And you worship that instead of God. That's what idolatry is. That's what it amounts to. It's when you've made someone or something else your first love besides God. And many people in our day and in Jesus' day make an idol out of the family. It's just true. We just make an idol out of the family. We will serve and follow God as long as it doesn't strain our marriage or keep us from providing nice things for our kids. We will fill our calendars with all kinds of activities for ourselves and especially our kids. And then if there's room, we'll spend some time investing in God. We will make incredible financial sacrifices, thousands of dollars a year maybe, to give our kids the best opportunities to learn, to develop as athletes, to experience the world. But the average Christian gives less than 3% of their gross income to gospel ministries. We will go into debt to purchase things, but we won't give our first fruits to God. We will choose to live somewhere based on property taxes and home value and safety and financial security and quality of education without ever asking God, God, creator of the universe, where do you want to use us? Where do you want, who do you want us to be neighbors to? God, we'll go wherever you want us to. Just show us, Lord. I mean, what would happen if you submitted all of your cares and all of your life decisions and all of your future plans to God? What would happen? What would happen if you asked God to show you what his best is for your family and you said ahead of time, God, I may not understand it, I may not like it right away, but whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. What would happen if we approached God that way? Do you believe God would speak? Do you believe God would show you something? What this all boils down to is, is that Jesus did not make the family as important as we do. He just didn't. And while we want to be a family-friendly church, we're never going to be a family-centered church. We're going to be a Christ-centered church. Because that's what God has called us to be. And it would be a mistake for us as a church to make families as important as our culture does because family is not first. And, and why am I telling you this? Why does this matter? Why, why is it so important for us to put Christ first and not our families? Because when we put Christ first and seek his kingdom first, God gives us everything we need and more. He goes over the top to show himself to us. He will give your family everything you need. When you put Christ first, you become the mom your kids need you to be. 
You become the dad your family needs you to be. You become the person God intended you to be. You get to live the fullest life possible when you put Christ first. And when you first do it, when you take that step and you make that sacrifice, it feels like you're going to lose something. And you might lose something. But in the end, you find your life. And your kids will find their life. Your kids need to see you doing this. We, we had our, um, our first parenting class this morning. We're doing this four-week parenting class called Arrows, and led by Dave and Melissa Gustafson. We had our first uh, session this, this morning at 9 o'clock. It's from 9 to 9.45 every Sunday for the next three Sundays if you want to join us. And it was really, really good. And one of the things they said that I so appreciated was that your example will always speak louder than your words. Always. You can tell your kids to follow Jesus. You can tell your kids to love God. You can tell your kids to do the right thing and reject the wrong thing. You can tell them whatever you want, but your kids are going to remember what you did. They're going to remember who you are. And that means that you need to show them how to follow Jesus. You need to show them what it means to put Christ first. You need to show your kids that they are not the center of your universe. Jesus is. They are not the most important people in your life. Jesus is. And your kids need to see that demonstrated in the way you live, the way you work, the way you speak, the way you love, the way you forgive, the way you give, the way you open up your home, the way you live your life. They need to see it. If you want your kids to be that happiest, most adventurous, hardworking, and resilient kids that, that, that you can dream about, then the best thing you can do is point them to Jesus and say, follow that man. And, and show, him. show them. Show them what it looks like. I think that's the best thing you can ever do for your kids. Your family's not the gospel. The best news you ever heard is not, I do. The best news you ever heard is not, it's a boy. The best news you've ever heard is that Jesus Christ died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again, according to the scriptures. That's the news that will never stop changing your life. If you believe that your family's the best thing in your life, they will never live up to your expectations. They're just gonna, they're gonna disappoint you. You're gonna disappoint them. And when you have family trouble, it's gonna, it's gonna sink you. It's gonna crush you. When your family starts breaking apart or your spouse grows distant or leaves or your child starts making destructive choices that brings pain into your heart, you will feel like they're ruining your life. But they aren't ruining your life. Your life is hidden with Christ and God and nothing can move you. Do you remember last week? Nothing can move you. Your future's secure. And when you fail your family, and you will fail your family, you might want to be tempted to try to make up for it and pay them back, and you might feel guilty about it, but you will never find peace on that road. Christ died to remove your guilty stains. You will only find peace through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus and putting him and his kingdom first in everything. And holding your family with a loose grip and letting them be free to discover Jesus for themselves. Because you are not your family's savior. And they are not your savior. There's only one savior. And he left his house to die for us and to bring us back to God. And that's the best news you've ever heard. Please pray with me.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And, and Jesus, we, we admit that your words are very hard to hear sometimes. And it makes us think about difficult decisions. And it makes us think about what we might lose. But God, we ask you today that you would give us a vision for who we might become if we were willing to leave everything to follow you. If we were willing to put you first ahead of our families. So God, we pray, Father, that you would get, renew our faith in the gospel today. Help us to say yes to you, to whatever you ask us to do, and to trust, to, to leave to leave the outcome in your hands. We can't control the outcome, God, but we can choose whether to say yes or no to you. So I pray, God, that you would give us the faith to say yes to you today, to put you first, to serve you first, to go where you tell us to go, to do what you tell us to do, to be who you've called us to be, and leave the outcome to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we leave you this morning, um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to thank those of you who came out to church yesterday morning. Um, from 8 to noon, we had our uh, spring cleanup, and we had a really good time. We got a lot of things done. Maybe you came into church today, and it smelled good, and it looked good. Everything looked clean. Some, you saw some new things here and there. And so I want to just thank those people who gave up their Saturday morning to be with us and serve with us yesterday. And we actually made a little video to show you about it. I'm going to show you Why don't we give a round of applause to everyone who helped out yesterday. Those pictures were not doctored. It really looked like that yesterday. There was green grass, and it was nice. I mean, and today it's like, thank you, Wisconsin. So um, next week, we're going to, the title of next week's message is Open House. And we're going to talk about what it means to open your house up to others and how important that is as we learn to follow Jesus. I'm really excited about it. So thank you for being here this morning. And if you wouldn't mind, just please rise for the benediction. I'm going to leave you with this word this morning from the book of Hebrews. Please bow your heads with me. This is from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, who ratified an eternal covenant with his own blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. And may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week.